turning together in God's precious word to the book of Hebrews, Paul's letter to the Hebrews and to the chapter 10. Hebrews and the chapter 10. We're moving down the chapter to the 30th verse, Hebrews chapter 10 and the verse 30. We want to read down to the end of chapter 10 and then into chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 10 and the verse 30. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. We'll end there at the sixth verse. And may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible truth. Amen. 
And as we take our seats together, can we turn again to God's precious word? And we have been reading from Hebrews in the chapter 10 and also into chapter 11. And this morning, it is to the first verse of chapter 11 that I would like to draw your attention. And it's speaking to us about our faith. And in Hebrews 11 and the verse 1, we read, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this morning I want us to speak on the thought of true saving faith. True saving faith. Let's just unite together and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, how we thank thee today for the scriptures of truth. And we thank thee that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And as we would turn together to that inspired word, we pray, O God, for the preparation and for the opening up of each one of our hearts and grant that we would receive with meekness that engrafted word which alone is able to save the soul. Do hear us, O God, in heaven thy dwelling place and be to us all that we would need in the ministry of thy word that we would have grace to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in his most worthy and precious name. Amen. Well, the last Lord's Day in October has been nominated as Reformation Sunday. And it's good for us on this Reformation Sunday to acknowledge our goodly and godly heritage that we have. It was on the 31st of October in 1517 that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg in Germany. And that action by Martin Luther is accepted as being the starting point, the very commencement of the great Protestant Reformation. And at the very heart of that Reformation was the doctrine of justification. To put it simply, it centered upon how a soul could be right before God. How a soul could be right before God. And prior to his conversion, Martin Luther wrestled with that very issue. How he could be just. How he could be right before a holy God. It wasn't until he came to the understanding of that great truth and through the entrance of God's word giving light to his soul, he came to a realization that the just shall live by faith and that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. If you look there towards the end of chapter 10, and to the verse 38, it highlights this great truth. Now the just shall live by faith. And that was the truth that dawned upon the heart of Martin Luther. 
That's what gave him that peace in his heart before God in knowing it was well with his soul that his salvation did not depend upon any works that he could do or any merit that he could gain through his own effort. But that rather justification was by faith alone. There at the end of chapter 10, it says in verse 39, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And in verse 39, you really have uh, those two conditions in view. You have the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved, those who may have become acquainted with the truth, they may have come to a knowledge of the truth, but they fall short of true saving faith. Then he says, but there are those who believe to the saving of the soul. Those who come right through for the Lord. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who exercise that true saving faith. And whenever you consider just that little bit of background to chapter 11, you can see where the chapter 11 commences with those words, Now faith. And it gives you something of the force of the apostle writing this letter. He says, now faith is. That word now, it's calling for our attention. The apostle is really calling out to us. He's wanting to attract our attention and to say, now listen to this. Now faith is going to speak about true saving faith. He's highlighting here the importance of the place of faith. And he's showing us what faith really is. And I felt it would be good on this Reformation Sunday just to highlight true saving faith. And as we think about that together, I want us firstly to look at the explanation of faith. Those words there in verse 1 of chapter 11, Now faith. This faith that is at the very center of every part of our Christian lives, the apostle draws our attention to it. So we would need to have some understanding of what it is. We would need an explanation. We would need something of a definition. When you think about faith, it's it's in every area of our Christian lives. It's that thread that runs through every aspect of our Christian lives. When you think about our salvation, you think about that very time when you first closed in with the Lord Jesus Christ and we were saved. It was by faith. Ephesians 2 and the verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so that time when we took that step to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was the step of faith when we started out in the Christian life. 
And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 5 and the verse 1, and he said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, faith there is at the very heart of the Christian life because it's by faith that we're saved. Can you look back to that day in your life? You came as a sinner to the Savior. You exercised that true saving faith in him. That's the place of faith. We're saved by faith. And then, of course, as we continue in our Christian lives, we walk by faith. Those words appear in 2 Corinthians 5 and the verse 7. And the apostle said to the Corinthians, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, continuing in the Christian pathway in all that we would encounter in this old world. We walk by faith, We're holding on to the Lord. We're trusting in him. What about prayer? We pray in faith. The Lord looks for that prayer of faith. You see, the words that we were reading there where we ended our Bible reading, it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God. And we could think about coming to God there in prayer. He that coming to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're saved by faith, we walk by faith, we pray in faith. We've heard recently through our harvest services about the little mustard seed. The little mustard seed that if it was in the palm of your hand, you could barely see it. And yet the Bible says if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we would be able to say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it would be cast into the depths of the sea. Faith. Surely we serve the Lord by faith in all that we do for the Lord. Do you remember when they were seeking out men to serve the Lord in Acts chapter 6? And it tells us there about Stephen. And he was one of those who was sought out uh, by way of service as a deacon. And it describes him. And it says he was a man full of faith. Full of faith. And of the Holy Ghost. You glance on down, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It's been mentioning some of those great characters of the faith. And then it says, these all died in faith. Now that's how you want to die. You want to die with your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we know not when that's going to be. That's why there's an urgency in exercising that faith in the Lord. You may have heard on the news that was it just last evening and so many were swept out into eternity. Those who were going out to party and out to revel and over 150 souls swept out into eternity. The necessity... 
having our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it comes to that point, when we will step from time into eternity, it could be said of us, they died in faith. They died in faith. So you can see there the explanation by way of the place that is given to faith. Right throughout our Christian lives from the commencement right through to the conclusion. Faith is at the front and center. Faith is the very core there. Now faith is. This faith that the apostle is referring to is true saving faith. Before we go further into the text by way of explanation, we would want to point out that there's three elements. There are three elements to faith. And those three elements take in the mind, the heart, and the will. And you would see and understand as we just want to outline those three elements of faith. If you think about the mind, there's the intellectual element where the mind will come to a knowledge and to an understanding of the truth. The truth that is revealed in God's holy word. Romans 10 and 17. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there must be a certain comprehension of the truth. The matter of sin and its consequences. uh, The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great work that he accomplished to purchase our salvation. The mind must take that in. And the mind then gives assent to that truth. That it is in fact gospel truth. And I know many have come to that knowledge from their earliest days. Taught in the home. Taught in the children's meeting. Taught in the Sabbath school. Taught in so many places. You were taught the things of God. And you learned the gospel. And you have that knowledge. And you have that understanding. There's the intellectual element. Where the mind gives assent to that truth. But it's not yet salvation. You can have the truth in your mind. And that doesn't mean you're saved. That's the intellectual element, but you have a certain knowledge whereby if you were to come to saving faith, it's not a leap in the dark because there's a knowledge there. The mind has come to an understanding of the truth. But the second element involves the heart. We could say it's the emotional element of faith. The mind gives assent to the truth, but the heart accepts that truth. The heart accepts that truth. The heart is moved under the knowledge of that truth. There's a moving here from the mind to the heart, and the emotions are stirred. That truth is having now an impact upon the heart, but it's not yet true saving faith. But it certainly has gone further. You can be convinced of the truth of the gospel. You can be moved by the truth of the gospel. Still not converted. Make the sowing of the good seed. 
some of it fell on stony ground. And it appeared for a little time to grow up, but there was a problem. There was no root. And with some, when it comes to the gospel, there appears to be something of a moving and a stirring, but the root of the matter is not there. It's not true saving faith. The seed can fall upon the thorny ground, and we read about the thorny ground, that there were those things that grew up and choked it. There are those like the thorny ground hearer as well, still not converted. See, it's amazing how far the individual can come. But you think of what even the, the, the devil believes. In James chapter 2, which is a chapter about faith and works and how they connect together. But there in James chapter 2 and the verse 19, it says, The devils also believe and tremble. You ever think about what the devil believes about God? Read this week in Mark chapter 1. There was that individual who was possessed with an unclean spirit. And whenever the Lord came across that individual, the unclean spirit actually cried out to the Lord and said, What have I to do with thee, the Holy One of God? That's what the devils believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Holy One of God. And you could believe that today. But you haven't yet come to true saving faith. And so there's an intellectual element where we understand it in our minds and there's that emotional element where the heart accepts it and then comes that third and vital element of faith that involves the will. And while the mind assents to the truth and the heart accepts the truth, the will acts on that truth. And the will is moved to action whereby they come to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel. You understand in the mind and you accept in your heart, but the will is moved to actually embrace the Savior and to receive him into your heart. Shorter Catechism question 86 asks, What is faith? What is faith? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him as he is freely offered in the gospel. We're receiving and resting. That's the will. Is that your testimony? I doubt if there would be one here that wouldn't have an understanding of the gospel in their mind. Would give assent to the truth. And say, well, their heart would be drawn even towards that truth. But have you taken that actual step of faith and you have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive your sin, to save your soul, to come into your heart and life? That's true saving faith. The explanation of faith. But very quickly, I want you to see in the second place, the expectation of faith. And when you come there to Hebrews 11 and the verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. It's not just feeling. It's not airy-fairy. Faith is substance. That word substance there, it's, in its original form, it appears five times in the New Testament. And on three of those occasions, it's translated confidence or confident. And so faith is confidence. That assurance of things that are hoped for. Whenever you think about that word substance, it has to do with an actual foundation. And the building will stand sure if it has a firm foundation. And the believer here is resting upon that firm foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Therefore, with confidence. Faith is not hoping for the best. Faith's not crossing your fingers and hoping all will work out at the end. No, faith is the substance. It's the confidence. It's the foundation of things hoped for. Those things that are hoped for, that's reaching out into the future. That's reaching out into the glory itself. And faith is the foundation that is based upon the promises of God's word. Verse 1 goes on to say, it's the evidence. Said earlier, faith's not a leap in the dark. We have a knowledge, we have an understanding of, of what and who we're believing. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And we have there the evidence. It's the idea really of like a title deed. If you own property, you own a building, you have the title deeds to that property or building. And that's the thought here of the apostle as he speaks about our faith. He says, faith is like the title deeds. It's the evidence, it's the proof of those things that are not seen. The evidence of things not seen. We have the title deed to things that are not seen. Paul said to the Corinthians, I has not seen and the ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for them that love him. I hasn't yet seen them. But we have the evidence, we have the faith, we have God's word, we have the proof, we have the title deeds, if you like. And we can read our titles clear to mansions in the sky, just like the Apostle Paul was convinced of the person and work of Christ that he had that assurance for eternity. That one day for him it would be absent from the body, it would be present with the Lord, and he had that desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. That was his expectation. 
And true saving faith brings you to that great expectation. Paul also said to the Corinthians, For we know here's something we're assured of. Here's something we have the sure and certain hope about. We know that if our earthly house, our body, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's death. We have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. The evidence of things not seen. There's an assurance of that. There's an expectation of that. And it comes through true saving faith. And then we have in the third place the examples of faith. Of course, we wouldn't have time to go down all those examples. We read a little bit into Hebrews chapter 11. But Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with examples of true saving faith. Those who trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see the repetition of those words down the chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith. And those men and women who believed God. Those who went through at times great trial and tribulation because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ of whom we would say today the world was not worthy. But they exercised that faith in the Lord. You take time to go through Hebrews chapter 11. You read of those believers who did great exploits for the Lord. And who accomplished so much for the Lord by faith. And again on this Reformation Sunday. We're grateful to those reformers. Who in the light of the gospel dawned upon their hearts. uh, They took that step of faith. And they sought to defend the crown rights of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sought to declare the gospel and to defend the gospel thankful for them today. What an encouragement each one of them would be. Those in Hebrews chapter 11 and those down through church history who by faith, by faith they conquered. We view them today as as giants. We, We view them as towers of strength. Maybe we would see ourselves as incapable of that. But if you study the characters in Hebrews chapter 11, they're just like you and me. They weren't perfect by any means. They all had those dark chapters in their life. They all had those flaws. There were times whenever they failed the Lord. You'll read about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11. Great hero of the faith. Yet when you study the life of Noah, there was a time when he got drunk. You think about Abraham, and we did study Abraham in recent months. We know that there was a time when Abraham told lies about his wife and said she was his sister. You think about Sarah, she's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. She's a great character of faith. 
Yet there was a time when she laughed at the Lord's promise. It was a laugh of unbelief. But she's here in Hebrews chapter 11. Moses is here as well. Moses was guilty of murder. David's name is mentioned in this chapter. David was guilty of adultery. Rahab's name is mentioned in this chapter. Another great example of faith. Rahab's known in the Bible as Rahab the harlot. And so they weren't perfect. They had their flaws. But the common denominator that is there throughout each of their lives and that can be traced is that they exercised that true saving faith in the Lord. And therefore those examples are given to us here in Hebrews chapter 11 that it might bring encouragement to us that in our day and in our generation we would live by faith. And we would exercise that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith. The just shall live by faith. So as we come to a close today, I again ask you the question, have you come to that point in your life where you have exercised that true saving faith? You have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ? Like that Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, and he asked the question to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe. True saving faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts today.